0: My name is Amy Slater. and My husband and I are one of the staff families here at the church. Um, Mother's Day, fun day. On Friday, my little guy Jasper, his school had a big Mother's Day picnic. And so all of us moms brought our picnic blankets, and the kids were all standing in this row, and we set our stuff out on the garden. And as soon, they had a performance. As soon as the music started playing and all the little kids stood up, Every mom in the garden had her phone. They were standing up, taking pictures and videos, every single one of us. And you know, it just hit me. No matter what culture we come from, no matter what our traditions, no matter what languages we speak, no matter what foods we serve in our homes, moms love their babies. We love our children. It may look a little bit different, But when we see our little guys and girls singing up on a on a platform, we're like, "Get out the camera! I have got to document this moment." We are all the same, and I just want to, as like Pastor Randy said, I just want to wish you moms a happy Mother's Day today. You know, it's interesting. um, As I was preparing and praying about this message this morning, my heart was deeply stirred because. Like Pastor Randy said, I recognize that there are people in this room who do not look at Mother's Day as a day of celebration. It's a hard day. And just as he was praying for those who have experienced the loss of a mother, those who are grieving through infertility, and even those of you who didn't grow up with a loving mother, I just believe that God has given me a word for you this morning. Our scripture text is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, but before we dive into that, the first verse in that chapter, and it's really an introduction to the latter part of the book of Isaiah, is a word of exhortation. He says, comfort, comfort my people. The repetition of this word comfort was a double charge. It wasn't just a statement to be comforted, but an emphatic word of hope to anyone who would hear it. Why is that? Why this double double emphasis? Because sometimes God's people refuse to be comforted. Maybe it's because they don't feel like they deserve it, or they are so hurting they don't know how to receive it. For those of you in this room who have felt the hurt of an unloving mother, or who are carrying the grief of infertility, or are just walking through loss today, I believe God wants to whisper comfort, comfort to you. It's a double charge. The past can't be reversed, and God is keenly aware of your pain, and he wants you to hear his heart this morning. In fact, I believe what we're going to share today is not just for the moms, but it's for every single person in this room if we have an open heart. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. So what is a shepherd? Well, a shepherd is one who tends or rears sheep. Pretty simple. Let's look at the definition of tend. To have or take charge of as a caretaker or overseer, to cultivate or foster. The the definition of rear is to bring to maturity or self-sufficiency, usually through nurturing care. Shepherding is one of the world's oldest occupations, and I think perhaps that's why God so often is referred to in the Old Testament as the shepherd, and why Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd. It was an occupation that people understood. They understood the job description. I learned something that kind of blew my mind as I was working on this message, and it messed with my tradition, and I love tradition, so this was a little bit crazy for me, but in a post written by a pastor named Dave Adamson, he was looking at the culture and context of shepherds during the history and time of Jesus' birth. History and culture, according to Adamson, would suggest, it doesn't mean this is absolute truth, but would suggest that the shepherds tending the flocks of sheep in the nearby fields where Jesus was born were actually teenage girls. Wrap your mind around that just a minute. In the Middle East, most shepherding is done by children, and most of them were teenage girls. The grown men that I picture as shepherds with the big beards and the staff, they would actually watch over from a distance the young girls tending their flocks. Interesting. Shepherding was a lowly role. It was for the lowest of the low, and so that's why the girls in the family would often become the shepherds. And if there were no girls in the family, It was the youngest son, as we see with David, King David, he was the youngest of his brothers, and so he was the one out tending the sheep. The girls would tend and be in this occupation oftentimes up till the age of 15 or when they were married. Think about that. Think. Mothers, we are shepherds. The title of my message is Shepherd in His Care, because while we are tending and shepherding our children, we are also being shepherded and watched over by God. Just as I picture in my mind those big, burly shepherds watching over these young girls, God, our shepherd, is standing watching over us as we tend to our children. And really, God is the the, the guide of how to be a good shepherd. So keeping that in mind, I want to look at three roles in the tending and rearing of sheep that we can learn from God as our shepherd. First, he tends. He tends his flock like a shepherd. Here are a few interesting facts about sheep that I've learned. (laughs) Sheep need protection from predators. Sheep will not lie down. They will stand and stand and stand forever if they don't feel safe. They have to feel secure from predators. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the world, but they know when they're vulnerable. And so a good shepherd will ensure that their flock is safe and secure. Shepherd also need protection from pests. Sheep will not lie down if there's a large number of flies and gnats that are an irritation to them. They won't do it, they'll stand forever. And sheep also need nourishment. The distraction of hunger in sheep will cause them to continue to stand and sadly not get the rest they need. As a good shepherd provides pasture and protection that allows his sheep to grow and thrive, so we also are responsible for providing an atmosphere that allows our children to grow and thrive. Psalm 23.1, we heard it this morning in worship, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Another way of saying that is, I shall not want Our shepherd, hear this, our shepherd ensures that we have everything we need to fulfill God's purposes in our lives. We don't have to fret because God's plans and purposes will prevail no matter what our circumstances. We may look at what we have and it may not look like enough, but God guarantees that he has provided everything we need to fulfill his purposes for our lives. And as we trust our shepherd, We find contentment right where he has us. He keeps us. As anyone who's entrusted with shepherding, another way of looking at tending is that we are our flock's source of provision and protection. We are their source of food, their source of clothing, their source of shelter, safety, protection, understanding the world around them. When a baby is born to us, they have nothing. They are naked. They have no resources whatsoever, and our responsibility is to resource them, provide for them, be a bridge from from the, the, the comfort of home to the outside world. And in the context of tending our flocks, we caretake and oversee our children or those entrusted to us as we resource them for their futures and care for their physical needs. So the first role that we learn from God, our shepherd, is that he tends. The second one is that he nurtures. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Nothing reassures the sheep more than the presence of the shepherd. I love that statement. As a shepherd, we don't just tend to our flock's physical needs and their protection, but we also nurture our flocks. So what does nurturing look like? Psalm 23 verses two and three says, "He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Because we can trust in God our shepherd, and His presence is near to us, we know that our souls will be restored. We can lie down in peace." Psalm 4:8 says, "In peace I will lie down and sleep for you, O Lord." make me dwell in safety. When we find ourselves going through discouraging times or we're just worn out, we're weary, we're distressed, God revives and restores us at the heart level. When we trust him, we find restoration and peace. Our youngest son, Jasper, is five years old, and one of the the many reasons why we moved to Durban is because we noticed that he had some developmental issues and we needed to get help. So he came to Durban, and since we've been here, we've got a specialist, we've got an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, a wonderful school that's going to help him get into a main classroom in the next few years. It's been incredible. He's even on a medication. And even with all of that, we have been told he's not curable. The things that Jasper struggles with aren't curable. They're manageable. In this last week, uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was fatigue or just overstimulation, but he was winding out of control, and I could see he was not going to be able to regulate himself. And so as I watched my little guy get hyper and emotional and melting down, I went over to him. I gathered him in my arms. I pulled him really, really close, and I just began to hold him. I wanted him to feel my presence. I wanted him to feel and hear my heartbeat. I started to massage his legs and his feet to just calm him down, help him feel stable once again. And after a while, as I held him there tightly in my arms, his breathing slowed down, his countenance changed, he calmed down, and he was regulated again. I think that's a picture of how God nurtures us when we are out of control. I don't know if you've ever been that way, but I know I have. I'm distressed. I'm overwhelmed. And it's like he gathers us in in his arms. He holds us close so we can hear his heartbeat. He speaks to us through his words, soothing words, reminding us that he's there, that he's with us. And if we just linger in that moment, our breathing calms down, our countenance changes, we are restored. I love Isaiah 26.3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast or whose mind is stayed on thee, King James Version, because they trust you. Jasper trusts me, He finds safety in my arms. He knows that I will protect him. And when he's out of control, I bring control to him. Jesus can be trusted. He is our safe place when we feel out of control. When we are in distress, he nurtures and restores us. God teaches us how to tend, what it looks like to nurture and how to lead. He gently leads those that have young. There's a tool that we're all very familiar with that the shepherds use. It's called a staff. And what it is, is it's a long, slender stick with a hook on the end that they use to guide and, and steer the sheep in the direction that they want to go. They also use the staff to, to bring the sheep close to them. Psalm 23:4 says, He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There are two purposes in the shepherd's staff, to guide and to disciple. The staff, when used by a skillful shepherd, can steer an entire flock by gently nudging the sheep in the direction that the shepherd wants to go. Even more so, a good shepherd will get out in front of the flock so they know where to follow. John 10:14 and 27, Jesus says... I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. There has been a lot of research between um, an infant's brain development and the connection with the mother's voice. And there was a neurobiologist named Daniel Abrams from Stanford University Medical Center who wanted to discover, does this infant-mother-child connection stop there, or does it stay with a child as they get older? And so he and his group of researchers got 27 children, ages 7 to 12, and they put them in a special MRI machine. While in the machine, these children were listening to recordings of nonsensical words, so just Random words were thrust at them, some spoken by their mother, and some spoken by women they didn't know. At the end, they discovered children were able to accurately identify their own mother's voice in the midst of all of those words, over 97% of the time, in less than a second. The discovery was that, yes, the mother's voice is so embedded in the brain of her child that it is like a fingerprint, unique and identifying. Just as all of us have fingerprints, unlike anyone else's, we also carry the mark of our mother's voices, much like a fingerprint, on our brains. In America, we have a little saying, I think I hear my mother's voice in my head. It's true, (laughs) our mother's voice, it's there, it's embedded in our brains. Aside from God, the mother's voice is the most significant voice that her child will ever hear, and it will remain with them for the rest of their lives. Our voice is a powerful tool used to guide. When our children were little, we guide with directives. Brush your teeth, wash your hands, eat your vegetables, go outside and play, do your homework, All these directives, we're guiding, we're managing, we're teaching, we're showing, we're modeling, we're doing all these things, and a lot of it comes in directives. As our our children grow older, our guidance shifts. Instead of directives, we guide through influence. What we hope and what we're challenged to do is to work hard to ensure that the voice they hear is a voice worth listening to a voice that influenced the heart to move in the forward right direction. So how does this connect with our shepherd? How does that connect? We learn to discern our shepherd's voice by reading his word. It is so simple, but to know God is to read his word. That is where we learn who he is, what he's done, what he wants to do, his character, his mission, and what he thinks of us. It is through his word. And I know it may sound kind of simple, but it is, and that's what's so wonderful about it. It's not hard. You do your daily 20, and it's the beginning of just cultivating that relationship so that the shepherd's voice has made his personal mark on us. The staff is used to guide through the unmistakable sound of the voice it is also used to disciple the role of the parent as far back as the old testament was that of teacher one of uh, a jewish commentator wrote this on the jewish culture he said the family unit in jewish history and tradition is considered to be the most important institution for shaping ethnic and religious identity and transmitting judaism's basic norms and values indeed The family and the synagogue are the only two institutions referred to in traditional Jewish literature as sanctuary in miniature, sharing the responsibility of handing down both Jewish law and Jewish values. The family has been the setting, if not the focal point for much of Jewish religious tradition. And in view of many present day observers, it is the institution primarily responsible for Jewish continuity. Discipleship is a partnership between the home and the church. As shepherds of our children, we are mandated to lead and guide their spiritual lives as well as all the other components we've looked at this morning. Deuteronomy 11:19 says, teach them the laws to your children talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, that voice, again, he will not turn from it. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That is an enormous responsibility. And if you are like me, it feels a little bit overwhelming. How do I manage to be that much of an influence in my child's life? We don't lead alone. We don't lead alone. We have a church. You, you with little ones, you've got an incredible children's ministry that can resource you and partner with you. If you have teenagers, we have a wonderful youth ministry that will partner with you to see that your child is being discipled. And there is God our shepherd. He gently leads those that have young The shepherd takes particular care of those sheep that are weak, vulnerable, cannot care for themselves, ensuring their safety and well-being, especially those that are carrying young. He particularly takes care of a succession that it may not fail or be cut off. Note, note this, that God is keenly concerned about the succession of our faith, our Christian faith, from one generation onto the other. He calls us to shepherd our children, but is so concerned that he is very present with us as we raise our children in the faith. God is a tender shepherd. Moms, can I tell you today, even when you feel the weight of motherhood is crushing you or just wearing you out, God is near to you and he is carrying you. Psalm 23, five and six says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Moms, everyone in the room, just as we are caring for the needs of those entrusted to us, God cares deeply for your needs. When evil tries to destroy you with discouragement, doubt, fear, feelings of inadequacy, God the shepherd sustains, provides, and shelters you. This is for everyone. God's anointing is upon all who belong to him. And through this journey of life, through the process of following the shepherd, we can be assured that his guidance, his support and kindness is will accompany us all the days of our lives wherever we go. Matthew Henry's commentary kind of wraps up Isaiah 40, in, in a beautiful summary. It says, he will carry them in the bosom of his love and cherish them there. When they are tired or weary, sick and faint, when they meet with foul ways, He will carry them on and take care that they are not left behind. He will gently lead them. He tends. He nurtures. He leads. I just want to pray for the moms and really everyone who who feels that they've connected to this message in some way. Maybe you just need to be reminded that God is tending to your needs that he has given you all that you need to pursue his plan for your life. You need to be reminded. Some of you, you just need to sense God's nurturing presence. You're hungry to feel him hold you, care for you. Some of you are searching for the shepherd's voice, and I want to pray that you will hear his voice this morning, but even more so, that you would have a hunger and thirst for the word of God like you have never had before. And maybe as As Pastor Randy shared and as I have felt burden on my heart, some of you just need to be comforted. You need to receive his comfort this morning. He is here. God is here. He's present. He's faithful. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are a very good God. You are a shepherd who tends, you care, you nurture You provide, you lead us. And so Lord, for those here today that just need to to know that you are tending to them, be with them, remind them, stir their hearts, God. For those that need to be nurtured, Holy Spirit, just bring your comfort, bring your restoration. Surround them, God, that they would even feel your arms around them. For those who need to hear your voice, Holy Spirit, speak. Speak, speak to the heart. Stirring them a passion for the word of God to know you so that your imprint will be made on their brain. It will be recognizable. And Jesus, for those that need comfort, just bring your comfort. Bring your assurance. You are here. You see them. You know. God, as we go, as we walk with that anointing on our heads, I pray, that love, mercy, all those things would follow us everywhere we go today and this next week, that your blessing would be upon this church in your precious name.